Here's Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you the podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas, or maybe just comforted knowing they're not alone. That everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. So today I'm very excited to be interviewing Danielle Dupre, who I met through, I guess, well, it was through my networking group, wasn't it? Through Brian DeLatte. Yes. Very cool. And Danielle is a recent graduate, 2019 graduate of college, and she is currently a digital marketing specialist. And so Danielle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Fun to be here. Well, very cool. Well, I always like to start with the fun stuff, which is the icebreaker questions. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us where you grew up, how many siblings, uh, where you are in the birth order, and how that kind of influenced you. Yeah, I spent my entire childhood in Golden, Colorado, um, elementary, middle school, high school years around there in Arvada, Colorado. I am the youngest of one other sister who's about 15 months older than me. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm 18 between my sis- older sister and I. Oh, really? Yes. We're pretty yeah. close in age. Um, very, very different. And so we have a very fun little dynamic, um, but we honestly are best friends. And so I'm lucky to have that in a sister. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, you know, they, there's different studies out there, of course, that talk about how the second one born, finds their own identity all, you know, many times very different from the firstborn. And so <laughs> I'm fascinated by this question about birth order because it's been really interesting to learn about all the firstborns and how they act, the middle kids, the youngest. And yeah. anyway, it's been really cool to, to kind of, when I then hear your story, it really all fits together about kind of, you know, where you grew up. So very cool. Yeah, yeah I could completely see that. <laughs> Now, uh, tell me about uh, sports or activities, hobbies. Are you into music or sports? Or Yes, I played um, college volleyball for four years. Um, volleyball I, yes, perfect. And I did track for a little bit in college, got recruited from the volleyball team to be on our track team. Um, oh, realized wow. that I like only indoor sports. So I quit that <laughs> and stuck with volleyball again. Um, and yeah, not, I haven't ever really been into music. I listen to the same things over and over, um, but huge sports fan, um, kind of in my blood. And so, yeah, this technically is my first year without playing any sports since I played it all throughout college. So oh, yeah. different year, yeah. Well, so now as an adult, you've got to figure out how you can find your volleyball. I can help you with that. I can help you with that. Okay. Hey, so what did you run in track? I also ran track, love track. Yes, yes. Track was fun for a little bit, um, but I liked volleyball more. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what events did you run in track? Um, I did long jump, high jump, and just a few sprints here and there. But I stuck with the jumping. Volleyball, track, I'm a yeah. jumper. <laughs> I can see how they would recruit you from the volleyball team to say, let's, let's get her jumping outdoors. But yeah, the outdoor part. I remember running track here in Colorado in high school. You know, mornings would be beautiful. I'd be thinking, oh, practice will be great. And then by three o'clock in the afternoon, the wind is howling, maybe raining. And we had to go out and train. And it was like, this is awful. I don't want to be out here. 
especially out in Oregon, because track is more of a spring sport, but for sure you get those rainy days. And no, they don't yeah. stop. We run in the rain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit on a fun meter scale of one to five, one being mm-hmm. counseling or five being life at the party, where do you put yourself? Um, I would be a five. Oh. I am the life of the party and I create the parties. So <laughs> I kind of have to be a five. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, different scale, the risk taking scale, but say okay. one to five, where do you put yourself on taking risks? Um, depends on the reward with the risk. Um, if there's a big reward for taking a big risk, then a five all day. If I don't see the benefit of a risk, then there's I'm a one. There's no point in the risk. Oh, can you give an example of each? Um, well, uh, me personally, um, yeah, I would say for a five and this kind of even leads into more of what this podcast is about too but um yeah I took kind of a not traditional route after college and I think broke a lot of traditional rules that people tell you in college to do Um, but I saw that there could be the risk was worth the reward that I might find um and I did end up finding it with my current job my current situation and I love it and so um that consisted of a lot of little risks that I took throughout finding the spot that I am in now. And so um, I'm happy about that. And then for the other end, the one end, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a lot of examples because they don't stick out because I just don't do them. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple of my recent interviews talked about skydiving. Okay. Would you, would you skydiving? I have been skydiving, yes. You have been skydiving? I have been skydiving, correct. Now, was that because you saw the reward of it or what? uh... It was because we got it as a Christmas gift and so it was free. So I said, why not? Okay. And I like, I'm a kind of adrenaline seeker. Um, Skydiving is something that I've always wanted to do. And so I thought it would be a fun experience. Um, Yeah doing something else really dangerous like tight roping across the Grand Canyon I will never do that (laughs) (laughs) okay so there are some things that uh that do cause you pause okay yes yes well we just need to know where those boundaries are (laughs) a lot of people try to um describe or, or define you know, professional risk versus that adrenaline junkie physical risk. They'll do two different things. Yeah. Many say things like, you know, about a calculated risk or, you know, it doesn't feel risky because it's calculated. I've already thought it through and researched it. And so anyway, it's very yeah. fascinating to hear how, uh, how, uh, how those two questions mean the fun meter and the risk meter uh, play out in people's lives. So, okay, well, let's get to it then. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing today, what it means to be a digital marketing specialist, and then we'll go back to, how did I get here? Yeah, perfect. Um, A digital marketing specialist. So what I do with my job is I run kind of all of our social media. I kind of help strategize it and provide content for it, whether that's little graphics or grabbing photos from our hard drives, just putting together content that represents our nonprofit the best. And that consists of Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, 
Twitter, kind of all of the above there. And along with that, I help run um, digital advertisement. So on Google and Facebook, I play around with our pixels and put together ad sets and ads and run campaigns for that. I also write blogs. And so I help um, search engine optimization with our blog writing. Um, and then I also just help with typical design stuff. So if someone needs a digital infographic or a presentation, then I'll help design and put that together. And then the overarching of kind of everything is I just help run campaigns. So help be creative with what would be a good campaign that would catch someone's eye, what audience would it go to, how can we message it the best to incorporate our audience and the people that could be future customers in some sense. And so I kind of do all that throughout my day. Wow. Sounds very creative and uh, mm -hmm. interactive with a lot of people. Yes. And that's what I want. So <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Very cool. So let's talk about, let's take you back to junior high and high school days. Okay. Was marketing okay. and um, digital, all of that, was that uh, what you wanted to be when you grew up? Take us back there and tell us when you were a little girl what you wanted to be. Yeah. Um, when I was a little girl, I didn't know much in some sense. I actually grew up with um, pretty intense learning disabilities. Um, when I was in elementary school, I, when I was in second grade, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. And throughout elementary school, I was in and out of special kind of cares tutors for that. They would take me out of recess, which was probably the worst as like a second, third grader, take me out of recess and try to help teach me special things to keep me up with the rest of the classes. And I think that had a huge impact on how I viewed myself. Because when you're a kid, you see yourself through how other people see you. And when the only thing you're around eight hours a day is school and you're not the best at school, you kind of don't see yourself as the best. And so especially at a young age, I kind of struggled with my identity, who I was, what I wanted to do. And I would say I wasn't a super confident kid growing up. And um, so I didn't have any perspective of a career or anything that I really wanted to do. Probably in elementary school and middle school, probably a pop star like every other little girl <laughs> in some sense. <laughs> Just on stage, traveling, dancing, the full shebang. And then in high school, um, yeah, I struggled with the same things and um, didn't really see myself going very far until about junior year. I really kind of had an identity shift, um, got some personal stuff together, figured out more of who I was. I did grow up in the church in some sense. So I got really involved in my youth group and found out who I, what I believe, what I believe I'm for and how I kind of fit into the world in some sense. And from later high school, I actually wanted to go off into Africa and go way into like ministry and missions and just got really passionate about the world. Um, but I have really good parents and they said, no, you will not be going to Africa. You're going to be going to college. And <laughs> I was needed to go to college. And so I, that's kind of where I was like, okay, then I'll play volleyball in college and slowly started doing the whole recruiting thing. Um, and then long story short there ended up going to a small private school in Portland, Oregon called George Fox. And then that's where I bounced back and forth between, um, communications, business, marketing, Christian ministries, 
just all these other majors. And I think I switched my major probably each semester until they forced me to just pick one. And I picked organizational communication and marketing. And at that year, the end of my sophomore year is when I was came to terms that I really like marketing and kind of been pursuing it ever since. Oh, so what, um, I've not heard organizational marketing before. Um, I've heard organizational behavior and studies and HR and all that, but how does organizational marketing, what, what differentiates that from, I I guess, a traditional marketing degree? Yeah. So technically my official, graduate title is organizational communication and marketing and mm-hmm. how my school just defined organizational communication is a mixture between business and public relations and the study of organizational behavior so i took a lot of those classes leadership organization okay. behavior 101 102 300 all those classes um, and then attached to that, I also had marketing. So I kind of had two different ones there. Wow. Okay. And how did this work with um, with being dyslexic? I mean, did you find techniques that helped you like school better and want to be in school? I mean, maybe maybe that shifted in high school for you, or, or even earlier. But you know, it sounded like you yeah, had that no, big shift when you were junior. Um, yeah, that's about really your own identity, but how about your learning? <laughs> yeah, um, all the way through college, the first two years was pretty tough. I kind of hit a wall <laughs> my freshman year because when I got to freshman year, I realized that kids just picked up on things quicker than me. They knew how to write better. They knew how to read better. They just understood things that I realized that I never learned. And it wasn't until my end of my freshman year in college, I had a professor that sat me down and she basically said that I can tell you're dyslexic just based off of your work. This is where the education system kind of fails students like you. And this is where I want to help. And I just had a really good professors that kind of surrounded me and showed me where I kind of fit in with learning. And I ended up becoming really, really gritty and really dove in hard, read every chapter in every book, wrote every assignment. And I got really good grades, passed classes with flying colors. Um, And that slowly kind of led to me even wanting to pursue uh, and basically like graduate school that I'm still looking at pursuing too. And so it was the end of my probably the last two years of my college that I really excelled in academics. Wow. So a shift from that second and third grader that, yeah, <laughs> that uh, was taken out of recess and not feeling good about yourself. Then you've really shifted to enjoying academics. And that is, that is a great story. Yep. Well, I'm glad you were able to find those tips and techniques, but it also sounds like, it was a lot of hard work too. There was no skating by, no just, um, I'll just cram at the the 11th hour and figure this out, right? You knew you had to actually do the work, practice, do more work, practice probably, and then, and, and then come to your conclusions. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And I was behind everyone. So what took someone an hour to do would probably take me two to three hours to do. And I just kind of figured it out for myself. And so, yeah, I came a long way academically, honestly. Yeah, 
Now, how about it now being in the marketing and communications realm? Um, do you feel like you're a better communicator because of this? I mean, do you feel like there's other, you know, a lot of times if you have weaknesses in one area, it develops a strength in another area. And therefore now you have kind of this new genius that you, cause you adapted. You're like, I have to survive in this world. How can I? <laughs> yeah. I, with not being growing up being the smartest kid in the room or a dumb blonde or however anyone would label one, um, I ended up becoming really, really observant. And throughout elementary, middle school, high school, and even college, I observed people, became really, honestly, emotionally intelligent. I knew where I was at, where my emotions were at, where other people's emotions were at started counseling people and I developed really strong leadership skills. Um, yeah. When I was a freshman on my volleyball team, I ended up becoming the captain and was the captain for the next four years. And that slowly bled into so many other leadership roles. And so there was for sure that contrast between I grew up with a really big weakness, but it actually developed my biggest strength. And so for that, I wouldn't trade my weakness in any situation because it really kind of, developed me to who I am. And that led into any projects that I had, any marketing um, organization or firm that I wanted to pursue, any nonprofit it really bled into more of who I wanted to become in life. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I again, I admire your grittiness as you described it. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, tell us a little bit about what shifted for you as a junior. You said that was a big life shifting and some of it was your, um, I think your church or your faith. Was there some other aha moments in there too? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, for sure. Church, faith, all of that. Love that. Also, just I had really good friends, really good friends and really good teachers it really changes when the people around you start believing in you and start having confidence in you and kind of guiding you in those ways to see yourself differently. And I just remember my junior year, so specifically my first semester to my second semester, something shifted in those winter months. I just saw myself different. I could see myself as someone different. I could see the people around me believed in me. And my GPA literally went from a 1.6 first semester to a 3.6 second semester. And then from that moment, I saw myself for that I can be like a confident woman that I can go to college and get good grades. I can have a career and not just work at a um, coffee shop for the rest of my life or a theater or a grocery store. Like I can really do something with my life. And so there, I think it was just a process of having good people around me, good parents, good direction and good teachers in some sense, kind of just a powerhouse group of people that really helped me see myself for who I was. Wow. Well, I, I'm so glad you had that, that village, so to speak. Because uh, <laughs> um, that's a difficult time and that's a big growing up phase, right? And sometimes that can go, that can go poorly. I mean, it could have gone the other way yeah. and certainly wouldn't be where you are today. So, wow. Very yeah. cool. Okay. So I'm going to bring us back to college then. So you've kind of taken us through your sophomore year 
um, that you're like, hey, this marketing thing, this is really working for me. So cool. kind yeah. of take on from there then your story. Okay, take it on from there. Um, well, I realized I more than anything came to terms with what I want to do along with my strengths and kind of where that fits into the world. And I think that's where a lot of people wrestle is they kind of know their strengths. They kind of know who they are, but they don't really know how that would tangibly work in this world. And I think that's what a lot of college is for. It's figuring out, does this major work? Does this work? Does this minor work? (laughs) And really wrestling, wrestling with it. And so my more than more than anything my junior year starting at my junior year in college I just started taking a whole bunch of marketing classes and a mixture between like calm classes and marketing classes and I just discovered that I love people and I love the study of people and figuring out people's interests what they like what they don't like how do you engage with them and how do you get their attention and that's really what marketing a lot of marketing is about is how to get someone's and how to engage with them and kind of make them feel heard in some sense. Heard and known are two big words there. And if you can make your whole audience feel heard and known, then you can go really, really far and also just sustaining that. And so, yeah, I was a part of tons of different clubs, tons of different leadership avenues and was just a part of tons of different marketing projects. I even helped with a dog sled company out in Fairbanks, Alaska. And that's kind of where really kickstarted. I really like marketing. And so at the end of my junior and into my senior year, I kind of had three decisions. Um, I still kind of wanted to go into church a little bit ministry. That was a passion that I had ever since I was a kid. And so I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about going to graduate school to go get my a higher education in communication or business, or if I should go into the marketing field in the marketing world. And here we are because I entered into the marketing world. <laughs> so I actually ended up choosing one of the three. <laughs> Door number three, Door which is get a job. Get a job, get a job, make some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you end up making that decision? Those are pretty big decisions when you're at that age and everybody goes through it, right? I mean, is it- Everyone does. Did you- did you talk to your parents? Did you journal? Did you read books? Did you have a mentor? Yeah, I probably all of the above there. <laughs> um, I don't really journal and more than anything, just talk to myself at random times, which I think a lot of people do in some sense. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I just talked with a lot of people. I took a lot of advice. Um, I wanted to understand people that already walked the road in some sense. So I asked a lot of older advice from older people. And I specifically fished out people that I respect their life. So more than just their career, more than just their money, I kind of looked for people that I like their character. I want advice from them. I respect them. I, in some sense, want to be like them as a person. And those were the people that I asked for advice on. And it kind of came through a mixture of things. Um, And basically, I also wanted to get married and my fiance was in Colorado. And so a few of my um, other job offers that I had, um, whether it was in the church or I applied for graduate school, the door number three led me also back to Colorado to be with my now fiance, soon to be husband in June. 
Um, and so I kind of decided to, okay, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get married. I'm going to pursue something that I'm really passionate about. And we're just going to see kind of where life takes me. And that's what led me through door number three and into a crazy journey that marketing jobs are actually really hard to find. And they're really rare, especially for recent graduates. And I don't think anyone told me that. I think we all kind of had to find that out the hard way. Yeah. You have this, um, I, I don't know, I, I don't know any other way to say this, but this blind enthusiasm, right? That, oh, now I've got this dream the world wants what I have. And, you, you know, you don't want to lose that. At the same time, you're like, well, now what? What kind of job? Um, so, yeah. You, you mentioned earlier, earlier as well that you kind of, as the risk taker, that you took a bunch of small risks that were against the grain of what people would say. What, what did you do then to finally land where you are today? Yeah, so typically in college, when you're in your college courses, when you're building your resume with a college advocate, someone that helps students get out to the real world, there's a few typical rules that people tell you. And I would say one of the main ones is get a job and don't quit your job within the first year. It's They kept telling me it's very important to keep your job. The first job you get, just keep it for a year. Your employers in the future, if they see that you quit a job, they won't ever look at your resume again. Just kind of instilled this perspective that, okay, get a job. And keep that job for a year, no matter what, because that's apparently what you need to be successful for the next five to 10 years down the road. And that's what the majority of college graduates do. They try to get, quote, the first year under their belt. Mm -hmm. um, and that first year out of college is really a time of transformation and transition. And it's a lot. And it's one of the biggest transitions that I think anyone will have in their life. And so I got a job the summer um, 2019. I got a job not in marketing because I kind of started, it was a weird situation where any marketing job that I had ended up kind of being a sales job. It wasn't a true marketing job. And I, with asking advice from people and kind of figuring out this real world marketing world, not this college course marketing world, but really where the marketing people are at, like, what is it like? Where are they? How do you find them? And that's when I figured out they are pretty rare and pretty hard to find. And usually college grads have a really hard time getting them because marketing is the first impression that people have on a business and they really trust professionals with it, not students or young people in some sense. And so I kind of gave up on that dream and I landed a job with um, a payroll company out in Denver. And it's this really nice modern payroll company um, called Gusto. It's big, it's huge, it's the typical modern millennial business. They have kombucha and cold brew on tap, they feed you breakfast and lunch, like the whole wow. shebang. And I was like, this place is great. I'm going here. And I literally lasted, I think, maybe three months. I got in, started training, and I was with maybe 50 other college grads that they all wanted us to study taxes, finances, how payroll works, and then we would be handling um, employers' funds. So we would be watching their payroll, helping with their taxes, doing all this finan financial stuff. And I, like 
the closest thing that I took to finances in college was world of math my freshman year. (laughs) I almost knew nothing. And something really kind of got sparked inside of me in month three as I started having really severe anxiety based on my job. And it got so bad that I didn't eat. I didn't drink. I stayed up all night. I couldn't talk with anyone. I lost like 10 pounds in one week. And my employer finally said, you got to just take the week off. Like, don't come to work. Don't even think about it. I literally saw doctors, got blood work done. Cause I'm like, I have a thyroid problem. I have some kind of brain problem. Like something's like physically wrong with me. And it basically, um, I came to terms that I was like, okay, I just have to kind of quit my job. And I, this is a risk that I'm willing to take for my mental health. I also hated it, hate finance. Don't know why I ever decided to take the job, but I did because it was the first job that kind of came knocking on my doors. And I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And so, um, yeah, within three months, I quit my first job and instantly my mental health came back and I've never had anxiety on my job ever since. Like it was so rooted in, um, this job that I took and it showed a lot that people's brains are just wired differently. I know my brain's wired for certain things and it wasn't wired for that at all. And it really, I couldn't process it well. And it really triggered a lot of anxiety. And so I quit and I spent the next month just not applying for a thing, which is another thing you don't do as a recent college grad. You spend usually your whole days applying and trying to find a job here and there. And I had a friend's mom that reached out to me and said, hey, my nonprofit is looking for a digital marketing person. Like, are you interested? And I'm like, how convenient you said that. Yes, I am. And so I applied for that, but literally for probably a month, month and a half, I didn't apply to anything and for a lot of reasons, but it was a risk that I was willing to take. It was a risk willing that I was willing to take to quit a job. My very first job as a college grad that everyone says don't do. And the second thing was I just didn't apply to anything. (laughs) And um, luckily for me within that month and a half at the end of that, I got hired onto my new job as a digital marketing specialist, which is a legit marketing job. And so Um, It kind of all worked out there, but there for sure were some risks that I had to take, but I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't take them. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like instantly your health got better. Instantly, Um, literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy, you know, what happened to you sometimes takes people years to figure out. It's a slow um, detriment to their health and they don't even know it until, you know, they wake up one day and they're like, why is this happening to me? And we, you know, all, and then it feels all of a sudden, but yet it's something that probably happened over time. So I applaud it. I hate that, that you had to go through something so severe, but maybe that was a, a really good, very quick way for you to go, you know, trust, trust your gut, really understand yeah. what you need in the world and, uh, and p- put different energy out in the world. And then look what happened. You attracted exactly yeah. what you wanted. And I mean, when you described what your job was, you totally lit up and, you know, yeah. and every aspect of it fits with what your degree is, what you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's very cool to see that. So. Yeah. And I honestly, I'm very thankful I went through my three months of torture in some sense. I 
on, learned what it felt like to have really bad anxiety. And I've never had that in my entire life. I'm very balanced, very whole, um, have always veered more on the happy side. And so I walked away with a deeper level of thankfulness and just understanding for people in some sense. And I don't think I would have that if I didn't walk through that. And in hindsight, I do think going through that does even help with marketing in some sense, because then I better understand people and anxiety that's so common this day and age. And I'm able to kind of message it and word it in a way that shows people that we can relate, like I can relate with you and I do care for you. Yeah. Well, it's another stepping stone on your journey of emotional intelligence, of empathy. Because, uh, yeah, when you do have any kind of physical or mental ailment, um, it just gives you an appreciation when you're back to feeling better and healthy, right? That you're like, yeah. wow, I, I can't take this for granted and I need to take care of me. I mean, a lot of people don't take care of themselves until something really detrimental forces them to versus this knowing of, I, I really need to do something different. So yes. I applaud yeah. you for that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm reminded of the first time I met you last summer that I was struck by how introspective you were and knowledgeable about yourself. And I think it's that emotional intelligence, but I think we talked at the time that you had um, taken a personality test called the Enneagram. And do you yes. remember that? And because and, I had just taken it, and I was very excited about learning about the tool and the personalities. And, and was yours a seven? Is that what you were a seven? Yes, I am. I am a seven. Yep. And I remember I, I'm a six. And the six, six. is, uh, you know, kind of touches on the seven. So there's parts of me that are, you know, can uh, kind of appreciate and relate to that. But then on the six side is also, I feel like there's this touch of anxiety. <laughs> and nervousness yes. and worry. And so yes. I'm, I'm reminded yes. of that because um, I remember I wanted to be a seven because I wanted to be that um, that natural outlook, cheerful outlook. And I feel like I am that in so many ways, but then I'm yes. also, oh, you got to think it through. Uh, you know, I overthink things. Uh, I worry about things and I'm really trying to give that up. So anyway, well, it helps. I'm a wing six. So I, I have, I have that too. I have that. <laughs> So tell us what it means to be a seven. Yeah, so a seven, it's the enthusiast. Um, and long story short, it kind of consists of being very high energy, life of the party, <laughs> very outgoing, loves to see the world in a positive, optimistic, kind of rose-colored glasses in some sense, seeing everything as an opportunity and has a purpose. We thrive for having deep purpose. Um, we like taking risks here and there, and we're kind of adrenaline seekers. A lot of us have a hard time sitting still or staying still. I would say the majority of those young millennials that you see traveling the entire world and they just can't sit still, they're probably a seven in some sense. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, we that kind of circumferences all of that um, on the con side of it is we have a really hard time feeling negative feelings we don't like them we don't want them we don't accept them we don't receive them we just kind of brush them to the side or push them down low and I think that's why me being a seven in some sense I was thankful for my three months of torture at my other job with anxiety because it really I felt negative emotions every single day and so it was like I was placed in a completely different body. <laughs> and so I 
for sure learned a lot from that. Wow. So what, have you taken other personality tests? I mean, is it uh, along your uh, emotional intelligence journey? Yes. Yeah, I have. Um, Yeah, I've taken, yeah, there's a variety of emotional intelligence ones that I've taken over over the years in some sense. Um, I am high on emotional intelligence. Usually I think the common phrase is you either have a high IQ or a high EQ. And I rely on the EQ, struggled (laughs) with the IQ my whole life, but it's fine. Um, That, and then I've taken Myers-Briggs. I am a campaigner for those of you that know that. Um, I have tested, I'm always on the extrovert side of everything. I've taken strength finders. Um, my top strength in that is I'm a strat is strategy. Actually, my top strength on that test is strategy. I have woo. I like to win people over, um, positivity, achiever and activator. Um, yeah, I've taken a lot of tests. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do you think those tests help you though? I think tests are good to put to words how people feel um for me I always ever since I was a kid have liked to put to words how I feel I've always been kind of good at that and I love helping others put words to how they feel and so that's kind of how I've developed my empathy and just skills and knowing people and being relational is I can help put to words how they feel. But all those tests are good because when people read them, they're like, oh, that's how I felt this entire time, my entire life. And it just helps put to words how one would describe themselves based on their strengths, their personalities, how they view the world, their fears, and it can really help them grow as a person. On the opposite side of that, on a con side, is I do think that some people can overanalyze them and take whatever the test says as that's who I am. And like that's if the test says that, then that's what I'm going to go with. And there's no straying from that. Tests are good if we can see them through. Okay, this is a test. I'm going to pick and choose what I want from this, but this also doesn't define me in some sense. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I've done a lot of those same tests myself. And um, I think what I was seeking and looking for was explaining how I was feeling. I didn't have the words like you're saying to explain how I was feeling. I didn't have the words to explain my strengths and how I was differentiating myself. So that was helpful. I think the other thing I like about all those tests is that it gives you a way of kind of understanding the world and understanding others and recognizing yeah. that there's just different paths and different ways people are wired. There's no right or wrong. It's just, we're all going to get there at different times. Uh, you know, you mentioned yeah. you and your sister are very different. Um, my older sister and I, as I mentioned, she's 18 months older and she's an extrovert to the 10th degree. You and she would probably, be, and she just gets all her energy from people and talking and out and, you know, and I'm the second born and I'm the, you know, harmony mediator. Um, and I, I'm on the middle of between extrovert and introvert when I first took the test. And I, it was so good to have that because I always looked at, well, why I should be more like her. Why shouldn't I be more? And I'm like, no, I'm me. I need to be more like me. And, and I got my energy from being alone and being quiet and an observer. I'm very much an observer. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's fascinating when you do take those tests and it gives you great insight into relationships and um, my husband's an introvert and so you know 
I like to go out to parties. I, I can be a five, but I can also be a one. And so yeah. I, it, there's times I'm like, well, what, we got to go out. And especially now during these times, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm fine. I'm built for social distancing. This works for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you, I'm guessing is killing you. <laughs> well, right now I'm in the, I'm staying at my parents. I stay at my fiance's parents. I stay at my apartment. We're moving it. Me and my fiance, we have our apartment to move into this weekend. So I kind of, I still bounce around. <laughs> Can't yeah. really sit still in one spot. But it's not the same energy as being in an office you know, working on a campaign with your colleagues and, you know, brainstorming a problem in an event and that kind of a thing. Yes, that is true. That is something that is for sure interesting, <laughs> trying to yeah. figure out. Very cool. Well, Danielle, I could continue just going on and on, but I, we probably do need to wrap this up. So um, as part of the wrap up, are there any words of wisdom or kind of lessons learned that you think would be helpful for other people who maybe are going through what you're going through, uh, but maybe they didn't have the same success as you, but do you have any kind of words that you would want to share? Yeah, I would say two things. Um, first is for any college grad that is entering into any kind of field in some sense or type of transition is that it eventually will work out. There are risks that you might need to take, but it's always worth I, in my personal opinion, it's always worth the wait than just whatever comes knocking on your door. And if that means waiting a year or two years to find something that really connects with you, then that is a risk that everyone should take in some sense. Life is too short to hate your job, to hate eight hours of your day. Life will always be too short. And there's nothing to justify with that. And I feel like when we start to justify our job in some sense, then we kind of end up going down a little rabbit hole and it's hard to get up. Um, and then the second thing is for anyone that does struggle with anxiety in their work, I would take a step back and I would reevaluate and thinking if it's worth it in some sense. Um, in my personal opinion, mental health is never worth a job. Um, if you need to quit, like it's gonna, you'll figure it out. You'll be much stronger without it than with the job for sure. And that is a call that only the person in it can make. And so, um, but you're not alone in it. And there's a lot of people in it and a lot of people that get out of it too. And so just yeah. hang in there in some sense. Well, very wise words of wisdom from someone very young, but has been through a lot. And it's, um, it's funny how that anxiety starts, you know, with the mental and with the thoughts, but then it leads to the physical. So the ailments don't just kind of end with uh, I'm not comfortable or I know this isn't a right fit, but I'm just going to stick it out. There's a, there can be a real, a real um, outcome to it that can be detrimental. So yes. I appreciate you being so open and honest about that. Yeah, so of course. Well, any, anything else that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? Um, no, I feel like that kind of, covers the majority of everything I guess nothing super pressing right now but it's been super fun talking thank you for asking all the questions um I love sharing my story other people's stories and so it's been fun having being here in some sense well thank you for sharing your story and I wish you the best with your upcoming wedding I hope everything works thank out you. on a 
Um, but it, it sounds like you have plan B. And if you have to have a second wedding, how, how bad can that be, right? I mean, you get to have two parties, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what a seven would want. So it's perfect. Yeah. You're going to be the center of attention all the time. Yeah, there's a seven. Right. And there's a scale of, so you should have said seven on the scale of one to five. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, thank you so much again for sharing your story. And listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe below and then you'll be alerted of new podcasts as they're available. If you have any questions for me or for Danielle, please post them on my website, lifestorycurator.com, and I'll make sure to get them to her or make make sure to answer them on my end as well. So on that note, uh, let's say goodbye, stay safe and stay well, everybody.